Oh, okay. Well, I haven't been watching the Flintstones over and over and over again, but I have been watching a lot of travel videos on YouTube. Okay. Uh, mostly because like we're all stuck at home and we can't travel and I'm very nostalgic for the days when I could go and visit Japan and walk around and eat delicious food. Yeah, honestly. And I have lately found this YouTuber. His name is Ryan Ishida. He's like a little baby YouTuber. Like he's been doing it for maybe a year and a half or something like that. And I just find his videos really endearing because they're just so honest. Mm -hmm. And he has a little bit of a self-deprecating sense of humor. But I don't know. There's just something that like really just strikes a chord with me. And I was watching... A pre-recorded live stream of his and somebody asked if he ever did tours in Osaka where he lives like if you travel to Osaka could you hire him as a tour guide mm -hmm. and he said that he did offer that and if you were interested in that you could go to his webpage and I was like I, I'm just curious so I go to his webpage which is this like very adorable I mean it's really basic this adorable little webpage that looks like something you would have made in like 1995 on GeoCities or Angel Fire or something mm -hmm. with like his pictures and his basic information about who he is and stuff like that uh -huh. and so I click on the tour guide link and it explains kind of like what you would expect but he also is very clear about the fact that you should only hire him if your goal is to support the channel because oh. he charges like a hundred dollars for two hours and he's and he goes ahead and he's like most tour guides are like 25 dollars or 30 dollars an hour so this is very expensive and then underneath it he has like a bulleted list with like little check marks which are reasons you shouldn't hire him and it's like it's <laughs> expensive it. uh very unprofessional <laughs> like uh <laughs> Not a professional tour guide, more like a friend. And I was just cracking up because I was like, no, I would pay more for that than like a professional tour guide who I know is just like regurgitating the same stuff, you know, every day. Yeah, you like, times go, on, a day. You like go on the tour and you're like, oh, we egregiously underpaid for this experience. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he also was like, oh, if you just want to like see me, just go to Osaka and you'll probably find me walking around the streets like making videos and you can say hi to me or whatever. That's but so I just cute. thought it was so funny, like this classic like undersell but it did give me an idea so i would like to officially announce that from now on starting today for a hundred dollars mm -hmm. for two hours i will be your spider-man guide okay reasons not to hire me <laughs> okay i will spend most of the time talking about peter b parker i do not want to hear any reason you think any version of spider-man sucks okay uh, i thought you were gonna say any version of spider-man is straight I mean, Which is also like also that. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I think I think the third reason that nobody should hire you to be the Spider-Man tour guide is because people go on the tour to learn about Spider-Man and inevitably they will also learn about um, either Nightcrawler or Elmo, who you hate. <laughs> and, and it's really a toss up. It can it's, go either way. Yeah, it depends on the day, truly. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to offer that service. if you, But only hire me if you want to support the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which means I have to start paying you now. Damn. Now well, you're no, the podcast is the free service that you oh, guys I see. all okay, get. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We do not have to pay you to move into the good part of the show where we talk about Spider-Man. That is free. So let's go ahead and take advantage of that free service. Alright, what's up everybody? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? And because Kat's the tour guide, I'm gonna ask, if we look to our left, was Spider-Man there? No, it's just a vacuum cleaner. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, oh, wait, nope, here's a, nope, here's a DVD of Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man was there. He was there, and he, okay, and it was the good Spider-Man, it was Tom Holland. <laughs> One of these days I'm gonna get Tom Holland to listen to this damn podcast, that's my goal. <laughs> I really just care if Tessa listens to the podcast. Yeah, I, I would love to get her professional opinion. Do you think she's also a Spider-Man tour guide? Oh, absolutely. She has all the insider info. Of course. Of course. Uh, well, now that we know that Spider-Man was there, we can end the podcast. Um, yeah, that was a good episode, guys. Great run. All right, uh, play good that. Good rap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We have to find out if Spider-Man was a million more places. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? And basically what we do is we look at comics and comic book scenarios and we try to figure out if Spider-Man was there. 
the catch is that I don't know a whole lot about Spider-Man. And as you can see, Kat is gainfully employed in the Spider-Man gamut. So, yeah, she basically is my tour guide, except for I have to come to her and um, make up a story and then give it to her and go, can you take me here? And then she gets to tell me whether or not it's canon. And I do try to make them as silly and as fun as I can. We've had a couple like more, not serious, but episodes with more levity. But this week, I'm hoping will be very, very fun. I had huge fun writing this. What's our theme this week, Kat? I'm actually surprised that it has taken us this long to get here, but we are finally doing an episode about the Sinister Six. I'm so excited for this because I had no idea who they were and I'm not allowed to do any research on the show. So I was going in 100% blind. <laughs> Just no idea who was in this. So I did have to message Kat and I was like, can you tell, can you, hey, come closer. Who's in the Sinister Six? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so she had to tell me who's in the Sinister Six. And I was a little floored that uh, Green Goblin is apparently not part of the original or the classic Sinister Six. But I still had, like I said, big, big fun uh, writing this pitch because I got to go back to my roots, my fanfic roots. I took inspiration from Kingdom Hearts. Wow. <laughs> this week. Wow. Yeah. In Kingdom Hearts, I won't give the plot away because we'd be here for seven <laughs> it's, years. It's only an hour long podcast. Right. <laughs> um, but more or less what happens is that there is a, a clone who is created from like the dark energy or the dark uh, emotions of the main character. And I didn't quite go that far. But I do love the idea of a villain creating a clone of a of a guy who's a good guy who's really, really good. Like the embodiment of a hero or a good guy. So the Sinister Six, Doc Ock, Mysterio, Sandman, Craven, Electro, and Vulture, right? Did I did I get it right? That is at least one roster. Okay. Those are the guys that I went on because that sure. was the that was the team you gave me. Sure. I don't know anything about these guys. I only know what I've seen in like movies of them. And I haven't seen uh, all of Far From Home. I know Mysterio's in it and I know he's Jake Gyllenhaal, but I have no idea what his powers are, like what he can do. So I'm so sorry if you're a Mysterio fucker, he's going to play a super minor role in this. <laughs> Everybody else kind of easy to figure out. But um, anyway, uh, so the Sinister Six all uh, come back to their lair? Question mark? I imagine that they have like a cool underground parking garage that they rent out from like an old Chinese man. That sounds more appropriate. Yeah. 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 And um, they have like a sectional in there and like a, like a TV Ping pong table. They, yeah. And they, where they can play like FIFA or whatever. They come back and they've, they've been freshly ass kicked. <laughs> um, they're just, I mean, all of them, they come in, they're haggard and they're tired and they're like, Ugh. and so they all kind of start like, well, it was going well for a second there, but I think, I, you know, and like Sandman's like, well, I probably could have done it if I'd have been able to maintain form, but Octavius's tentacle knocked into me and, you know, then I lost it. And Octavius is like, well, now hold on, buddy. You were kind of in my way, but I want, you know what? That's fine. If I hadn't lost focus because Vulture was so busy swooping around over my head and Vulture's like, hold the fuck up. I'm the coolest one in this whole group. We have to really have a discussion right now. Um, and so they start fighting like six roommates. The worst episode of Friends you've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, and so they're all like trying to figure it out. They're like, what is it that's, that's, that's getting us every time? Because they're trying to figure out like what the, what the flaw within their plan is to get Spider-Man. And then they kind of come to the conclusion that it's always going to be Spider-Man that's beating them. It's not any of their individual flaws. Obviously. 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 It's, there's something going on with Spider-Man. So everybody kind of like the whole group, like, turns and looks at Octavius because they're like, hey, you have the in you with the with like science, right? And he's like, I I mean these arms don't work by magic. And they're like, okay, build us a Spider-Man. And he's like, actually already on it. And he like goes to like the back of the parking garage and he takes a big blanket off of like what they thought was like a weird sculpture that nobody wanted to admit that they bought. And it's like a tube and there's like a little baby Spider-Man in there. I mean, but he's not in like a suit or anything. He just looks like a regular baby. And so they're all like a baby. And he's like, it's going to be nega Spider-Man. And they're all like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, a few weeks go by. Nothing interesting really happens. There's some minor fi crime fighting and, you know, Peter eats a can of beans or whatever. And like, he just does whatever, <laughs> whatever Spider-Man does. <laughs> um, which I assume is just 
sending a lot of Snapchats to Mary Jane that are like, yo, depression meal check. And it's like mm-hmm. some slices of apples and chocolate chips in a bowl. Uh, <laughs> Shockingly accurate. Yeah, right. I was like, I know this much about Spider-Man is that he definitely eats beans directly out of the can because he has depression. So, you know, he's chilling and not a lot's going on. And then one day his windows get like blacked out and he's like, okay, I guess. So he puts on the Spider-Man suit, because obviously this has to be a villain. And he goes outside, and he sees that there's, like, a bunch of, like, black, like, webbing everywhere. And he's like, oh, Venom, I guess? This is weird. And so he's, like, running through the city, and then he gets grabbed and tied up in the same way that, like, villains... He does it to villains, but except for the, like, the silk is black, and he's like, what the hell? It's, like, inverse color Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like Miles, but, like, more evil-looking suit. Sure. Because, like, Miles' suit just looks cool as hell. He just yeah, looks- yeah. Shout out real fast to them for designing a black and red suit that, like, looks awesome and not, like, a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I saw, like, Miles Morales Spider-Man coming for me, I'd be like, he is here to save me for sure. Yeah. But this guy looks evil, like... Old cla- like if you go watch an old classic anime and the villain's character scheme, it's the color scheme is like red and black. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has like extra spider arms or whatever. I know that's like a thing that some Spider-Man had. It in happens. The past. I've I've seen it. So this Spider-Man is like, ah ha ha! I'm evil Spider-Man. And then Peter's like, oh, but he has my voice though. That's weird. And so it's like this Peter that like speaks in the same way that like the Sinister Six do and he has a lot of their same catchphrases and Peter's like I really hate this like while they're (laughs) swinging around and fighting because he's like I wouldn't say that that's not how I would say that that's my line and like lots of good comic book quips but then it turns out he's able to defeat the evil Spider-Man because it is a clone of himself and he's like who knows me better than me and he has to do some cool stop time stop self-introspection and then he's like oh I have it figured out now I know what I know what I would do and so this is how I will beat him. And he he's able to, like, combine his spider sense with his personal intuition and defeat evil clone Spider-Man. Man-Spider. And that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's my pitch for um, Spider-Man Dream Drop Distance 2.5. <laughs> so was was Spider-Man there? And then also was man, was Man-Spider there? That's my question for you this week. So the, I always really love it when you come to me with a story and an idea and you're coming into it fresh and you stumble upon to some of the things that I think make characters or certain character dynamics like iconic. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those things that you stumbled onto, which maybe isn't necessarily unique to the Sinister Six, but is definitely a part of them, is just like that infighting, mm-hmm. which is really I think what ends up defeating them more often than Spider-Man is oh. that like you have all these combative personalities that are believing that they're each better than the other one. And they're yeah. all, like always fighting. It would be like if, if Friends was only Ross. <laughs> yeah, basically, like they would all be like, but I'm the smartest, but I have a PhD. But we were um, on a break. Yeah. <laughs> so I do have a clone story. I do have a I, I guess we can call it like a dark clone story we are going to turn back to the pages of ultimate spider-man which i feel like we are referencing ultimate spider-man as a comic a lot more than other ones and uh, as i was kind of chatting with some of my friends this week about what i was reading it was like yeah i feel like ultimate spider-man is if regular spider-man is like a soap opera that has gone on for years and years and years and like especially in the early days was just as focused on like Peter Parker's personal life and personal interactions as it was with like his superhero dealings. Ultimate Spider-Man is like the melodrama. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because it obviously like didn't last for as long. They were doing the redux of a lot of plot lines, but they were like, okay, remember how that one thing took two years? The Clone Saga took two years in the 90s. What if we do it in less than 10 issues? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, So we're going to talk about the Clone Saga in Ultimate Spider-Man and just like is quite a roller coaster. So Peter's out. He's doing his spider business and he runs into a scorpion type character at the mall who's just messing shit up. Okay. And he manages to subdue him, wrap him up, and he brings him to the Fantastic Four's tower. And just like Peter, like the Fantastic Four is a little bit younger. And they're like, okay, uh, who is this guy? And he's like, I don't know. He was wrecking shit. And so they take off his mask and it looks like Peter. Uh-oh. And he's like, I'm 15. This is a lot. What is going on here? And the scorpion Peter is 
really out of it. He's saying a lot of things that don't make sense. He doesn't seem he seems really disoriented. He doesn't know where he is. And when he does start talking, he's asking questions that don't really make any logical sense. He doesn't seem like he's 100 percent there. OK. Um, and so the Fantastic Four is like, OK, um, we're going to figure this out. And Peter's like, oh, uh, you know what? It's dinner time and I'm 15. <laughs> I have to go home uh, or my aunt's going to get really mad. No, but we think they're going to get cold. Yeah, exactly. So he goes home and finds out that MJ is missing and he goes out to go look for her. And while he's looking for her, like, you know, in back alleys and warehouses, he runs into like a spider woman and he's like, OK, I don't know where you showed up from, but I am looking for MJ. And she's like, yeah, I'm not here for that. And instead, who he finds is Gwen, who okay. has died previously. And he's like, you are dead. I'm looking for a different girl, but OK. <laughs> and so he takes her back to the house. And when May comes home, she's like, OK, what? Oh, OK, MJ is missing. You've shown up with a dead girl mm-hmm. who's not dead anymore. What the hell is going on? And so he admits that he. He's not sure what's going on, but he's Spider-Man, and this all has something to do with being Spider-Man, and he proves it by, like, crawling up the wall. And- <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine, like, that's the spider power he chooses to show off? Like, I- no, I'm not, I'm, I'm Spider-Man, look, watch this really demonic thing I'm about to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so she's not really having it, so May gets really upset, and she tells him to leave. And they have this fight, and some nasty things are said, and... She basically tells him to leave. And just as he's like kind of getting thrown out of the house, the door opens and there's a man standing there who's like, you need to take it easy on the kid. You know, he's, he's just a 15 year old boy. And they look at him and it's Richard Parker, Peter's dad, who supposedly died in a plane crash some years ago. So like dead people are just sprouting up all over the place. Okay. So he um, tells everybody like, okay, we all need to calm down. Look, there's a rational explanation for everything. Let's talk it out. And he starts giving this spiel about like, oh, I was supposed to get on that plane, but then I didn't at the last minute and this other stuff happened and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, like Gwen is just eating cold pizza out of the fridge. And Peter's like, I don't understand though, but can you explain like what's going on with Gwen being alive? Like you not getting on a plane makes sense, I guess. It still seems like a dick move, but- yeah, it seems, like, seems like I've been living without my dad for all this time. Yeah, like, exactly. And May is just like still really upset. And then all of a sudden tanks and stuff pull up outside and it's Nick Fury and like S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. And uh, Richard Parker is like, oh, we have to tell them to stop and not shoot like it's it's going to be fine. But then they start shooting at the house and May has a heart attack. And Peter's like, OK, I don't care what's going on, but my aunt is having a heart attack. And so he surrender like he goes outside he's like look i don't care whatever arrest me or whatever is happening here but she needs to go to the hospital because he's a good boy right so in all this like crazy hubbub the fantastic force shows up again and fury's like you guys don't need to be here this has nothing to do with you there's a reason we didn't invite you to the avengers yeah yeah (laughs) you guys fuck shit up but they do take richard parker off the scene and just as peter parker is about to go with nick fury into like super juvenile or whatever super juvie uh, i love it yeah super juvie spider woman shows up again and like absconds with him and they're like on top of a moving truck like going down the highway and he's like okay who are you and she takes off her mask and it's like you but a girl and he's just like i'm i'm not we didn't talk about this in health class yeah. i'm not old enough to handle this what <laughs> so she's like yeah um I'm a clone of you, like the other one you found, like we're both clones. And so she gives her whole exposition about how they cloned Peter Parker, but they were like, but let's make him a girl. And the clone is still going to have all the memories of Peter Parker and like being Peter Parker. But then after they get the cloning process done, they were going to like brainwash train her into being a new person named jessica drew like and then she was going to be an agent of shield but with all the spider powers okay yeah. now now correct me if i'm wrong we talked about a spider-man clone i think in like episode one or two mm-hmm. that also was like i'm you and i have all your memories but like that was like a conflict of like which one of us is the real one yeah and obviously we know which one is the, is the real one here. yeah Okay. All right. Cool. So I like that plot line. I'm not being like, and then they reused it. Like, no, yeah. That's well, really this cool. is definitely mirroring a lot of elements from that 
from that story on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think the main difference here is that she's aware that she's a clone. Like she escaped before the we're going to condition you into thinking you're another person part. So she's like aware of that. But there's no who's the real one floating around here. Sure. So they end up going to like some, you know, I think it's like the disused Oscorp or whatever. They run into another Peter clone. This one is much more spidery. He's got like four extra arms and he's like covered in tarantula fur. Can you um, can you guess what I'm going to say about him? He's 15. Oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that's super cool. Um, the super cool powers that he has. I think that's really nifty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also during this, we've been seeing little cutaways to like where Mary Jane is. And she's been captured by another spider-man clone who he keeps referring to himself as peter but like if you look this up on like wikis and like fan lists they basically say he's an analog to the kane clone from 616 Mm -hmm. um and he looks more or less like regular spider-man except half of his face is just like melted off deformed okay like like it's like when they get real into drawing deadpool scars like this is kind of what it looks like okay And he's kidnapped MJ because he's dead set on injecting her with the same chemical that turns Spider-Man into Spider-Man so that she'll get powers and be able to protect herself, which isn't creepy or weird at all. Yeah. So they they end up stumbling on him and him in that middle of that process. And MJ does mutate into like this crazy wolf character. But when she sees the real Peter, she like reverts back into her normal self and she faints. And so they they take her to the Fantastic Four and they're like, can you help us with this? We just assume that there's a reset button or something. And the Fantastic Four and S.H.I.E.L.D. show up and... Peter's like, look, I'm I'm trying real hard to surrender to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, real hard. I'm not trying to cause problems. I don't understand why there's all these clones. What what's going on? And at that moment, Fury like kind of opens the door and Octavius walks in. Uh-huh. And he's had dealings with little baby Spider-Man in the past, but he's like, well, I had a chance to redeem myself. They basically, after all that shit went down, you know, I could have spent my life in prison or I could have worked for them and created this army of Spider-Men. So sure. Like, why not? I don't have any moral qualms about this kind of shit. And so they cloned him multiple times to make this tiny little army of Spider-Men. And obviously they didn't always turn out the way they wanted the scorpion clone for example they made some purposeful manipulations like the scorpion tail is actually a part of his body that's been like biografted on but yeah but his body can't support it without wearing the suit so like he always has to wear the suit and if they take it off like he would just be paralyzed because it's attached to his spinal cord i love it but also like clearly his brain didn't come out of the process unharmed and clearly like the cane peter clone is got issues of his own so peter is really upset by all this because he's like what the fuck like why can you not understand that like the thing that you did is extremely evil and fucked up and he's kind of reading them the riot act and octavius just like does maniacal laughing and whatever and he kind of starts giving fury some shit too he's kind of like i'm here because you couldn't do your job and then fury's like you know what you're right I am going to let you handle this. And it is kind of vague as to who he's talking to. So he leaves. Mm -hmm. And so he leaves Octavius with the one, two, three, four, four clones, four Spider-Mans. Okay. The four Spider-Mans. Spider-Man was there and there and there and there. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a big fight. The Kane clone, I think, gets killed like in Crossfire. The Tarantula clone gets uh, eye beam through his chest. So it's just down to peter and jessica and they're eventually able to defeat him meanwhile richard is like with the fantastic four and as they're trying to help mj and sue is like hey hold on i have a hunch and she does some quick tests and she's like yeah you aren't richard parker you're also a clone that was created from peter's dna and then aged up like given rapid aging to look like his father and like conditioned with these memories. And so he has an existential crisis because no part of him feels like Peter Parker. And he like has all the memories of like being this adult man. And so she's like having this talk with him on the rooftop as he's like deteriorating and like slowly aging. And he's just kind of like, take care of him. Like he's a good boy and stuff like that. And it's really kind of sad. It gave me those like old snake Metal Gear Solid 4 vibes. And I was yeah. just like, mm, oh, oh, I didn't I didn't need to think about that. Anyways, after Octavius is disposed of and Peter's out of that situation, he returns 
to the hospital to check on May. And he's just like, this has just been the worst day of his life. Sure. And he's there talking to May, who's like still, you know, really heavily sedated. Like she's barely aware that he's there at all. And then you see like Nick Fury, Captain America and Iron Man. And a whole bunch of soldiers like rolling up and he, you just see Peter just being like, what the fuck now? And Terry's like, OK, hold on. I'm going in first. And so he goes and he talks to Peter and he's like, OK, I made all these Spider-Man killing robots. And I'm also the person that's responsible for Octavius making all these Spider-Man clones. And he's like, why? Why would you do this, though? And he's like, to kill you. And he's like, what do you mean to kill me? Like, why? Oh, my God. I, I'm just a kid. And he's like, yeah, but. I've seen people like you with the amount of power that you have who have gone through the amount of shit you've gone through and days like today. And I genuinely thought that after the things that happened today happened, that it would just break you and that <gasps> we would be looking at a new supervillain and we need to have measurements in place to take you out. And he's just standing there like in his aunt's hospital room. Like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. And Terry's like, I was wrong. And there's this really gratifying panel where he's, where Peter's just like, thank you. And I'm just like, he's a good boy. He's a good he's boy. A that's, good boy. That's all he wants is to just chill. I really, I appreciated the story because I do feel like it was really a roller coaster. It was really like a lot of highs and lows and a very short amount of issues. Mm -hmm. But I didn't mind it so much because it was like, this is the story we're going to tell. This is how long it's going to take. We have a, end in mind um as opposed to like the original clone saga that just sprawled needlessly and you know mm -hmm. made a big mess so i brought that win in because that was the closest one i could find where like octavius was involved there was a member of the sinister six involved there was an idea of like creating these spider-man clones specifically with the purpose of taking out spider-man and even like some of them had you know like there's a scorpion clone that has like okay you know scorpion is occasionally part of the sinister six so like um you can kind of imagine this spider army and like when i sat down and i did the math i was like okay so we've got scorpion we've got tarantula we've got spider woman we've got kane we've got richard parker and we've got peter so technically we have a team of six yeah oh so we have uh the sinister shrimps yeah <laughs> the, the shrimp is star six. Oh, that's good the Sinister um, Sixlets. Oh, I like that. I like it. Perfect. So that was the closest I could find. It's not really quite the same as like the, the mirror image thing you have going on. Mm -hmm. But it was something. I do also, real fast, want to give a shout out to one of the issues of Spider-Man and the X-Men. I don't know how familiar you are with the character Mr. Sinister. No, I'm not, I but, literally have heard of him just now. Okay, he just looks like a Kmart vampire, basically. Okay. But his whole thing is cloning. Like, that's his whole big thing. And specifically cloning mutants. Okay. Because his his idea is that he can, like, perfect the mutant genome, especially if he has, like, really good building blocks to work with. So for mostly, he would run into the X-Men because he was really obsessed with getting Jean Grey and Cyclops' DNA in particular because he was like, these mutants, these, these are like the, the secret spice I need. Um, so <laughs> Give me the Krabby Patty secret formula. <laughs> Mr. Um, Sinister actually just Plankton. <laughs> sure, yes, yes. But there is an issue in Spider-Man the X-Men where he makes his own team of clones to defeat the X-Men. So he clones Beast, Firestar, Iceman, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Wolverine, and he calls them Sinister's Six. Oh, okay, clever. And I just wanted to throw that out there because they were clones. They did fight Spider-Man and his little team of baby X-Men, and they had just a cute thematic name. So I wanted to throw them out there, but... Uh, yeah, this was the closest I could find. I I did enjoy reading these issues. I'm understanding more and more why there are people that like Ultimate Spider-Man the best, and that's their favorite version. I think Ultimate Spider-Man stands alone in the Ultimate titles, like they did like Ultimate Avengers and Ultimate X-Men like that. Mm -hmm. I feel like Ultimate Spider-Man is the only one that is well-remembered these days. And I think it, for stories like this that kind of go wild, but like in the end, like they have an ending point, They they feel like they give you something about the characters you care about mm -hmm. and then invent new characters so like jessica drew is still alive and kicking in that universe so oh that's really cool oh and she's dating the human torch which is a little bit weird for peter but oh well yeah because because they're uh, already boyfriends <laughs> that's for another episode okay that's super cool so definitively would you say that spider-man and man spider were there 
I would say no. I would say that Spider-Man Dream Drop Distance 616 over 1610 <laughs> what did not happen. Okay. So once again, Marvel, you're welcome to hit me up. But this time, you are going to have a little bit of competition because I my phone is already ringing and it is Square Enix. So <laughs> gotta got to get that ball rolling. I, I would like to say that I, I am just tickled by the idea of the Sinister Six having to raise this baby Spider-Man, even if he was like aged up quickly, like there's still like a three week period where they're changing diapers. And you like, have no idea how hard it was for me to cut that out of my notes. I was like, I well, can't. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> I was like, I can't go on and talk about the the whole bit that I wrote about how they learned to burp a baby. <laughs> Because I know, okay, because I remember from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man that Sandman has a daughter. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be very involved in the raising of her. Like, not, I mean, not much. Yeah, so. In most versions. So they're all like, you have a baby. And he's like, by definition, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm, I'm made of sand. <laughs> like, But I was like, I'm just going to go off of the assumption that none of these people has looked at an infant with any regularity <laughs> and like so they're all like okay so when's it when's it going to be ready how long till it's ready and octavius is like probably next week and they're like oh but it's very small <laughs> and he's like well it would take me a lot longer to grow a teenager <laughs> and they're like can't you just leave it in there and like let it marinate and he's like no it'll get pruney it has to come out like <laughs> and so like they have to take the baby out for science reasons and so like octavius like learns to entertain it by like using his arms or whatever and like um, he's got a rattle in one and, and they obviously there's the the gag where like babies love violence and so they like you know they live to punch each other and make the baby laugh or whatever i did try to conceptualize one of them being really obsessed with the baby becoming spider-man and so just completely overlooks it being a baby and who whichever one of them it is is like okay go and then like sticks the baby on the wall and the baby's just <laughs> stuck there like <laughs> and they're like he can't even crawl yet like <laughs> what do you want from him and the baby's like you know like wobbly on the wall or whatever this is great i yeah i yeah right I th- I th- this is literally like one of my biggest brain ideas like i'm on a roll aunt may story was so fun for me to write and then once i found out who was in sinister six i was like they gotta raise a clone baby for sure <laughs> Also, I think that, like, all of them are human beings. They have to eat. There's got to be groceries involved somehow. So either someone's getting their groceries and has suddenly noticed that there's, like, baby formula and stuff on the list now. Or they're, like, one of them is going grocery shopping, like, like on the DL, like, low-key, you know? Like, not in, the, obviously, their villain suit. And wearing, like, a baby Bjorn with, like, the baby Spider-Man. Except for, you know how, like, babies are real grabby? They have to be, like, real low-key and sneaky. Because if they, like, put something in the cart and the baby grabs it, it's, like, stuck to the baby's hand then. And I'm just imagining, like, literally, like, just all, the baby's touching things in the aisles. And it's yeah. just all stuck to them. Yeah, just, like, like the baby's, like, magnetic or something. Like... <laughs> And everyone looks at Octavius and like, why did you make it so sticky? And he's like, Spider-Man is sticky. He's a spider. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole big segment of it. I'm ready to read this fic. Yeah, it's going to be terrible because I don't know anything about any of these characters, but I love baby comedy. <laughs> Not to tie this back into the Flintstones, but there is a scene where like Bam Bam like picks up a whole table to like entertain Pebbles. And that's what I'm imagining. Like the spider baby just like picking up their like poker table, like hee hee. And they're all like, oh, okay. <laughs> We can't tell if this is going really good or really bad. Like, <laughs> that baby could kick all of our asses right now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. You know how I want that to end, though? Is that, like, the Sinister Six then, like, gets Spider-Man and, like, you know, Octavius is, like, ripped off his mask. And he's like, ah, I will defeat you. But then, like, he looks into Peter's eyes and, like, he sees the eyes of, like, the little tiny baby that he's raised. Yeah. From a tiny little clone. Uh-huh. <laughs> And he's like, I can't do it. He's like, oh, God. And Peter's like, I don't really know what's going on here. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Maybe Octavius looks at him and he's like, ooh, Peter, you outshine the morning sun. My sun. Look at my sun. And Peter's like, this is really weird. I don't know what's going on. But I do think Lin-Manuel Miranda lives in New York, so I'll have to give him a call in a minute. So that's my baby story you can hit me up for. (laughs) I'm going to be a really good parent. That's kind of where this trajectory is going. I love clone Spider-Man stories. I think that's become pretty obvious, but I love I love stories about clones. I think they just have endless, limitless potential, and they're just very fun. But you know what else is fun is the second secret half of this podcast that I didn't tell you about in the first half because... They had no idea! Yeah, right? So it's a clone of the first part of the podcast, except for it's not. It's a totally different <laughs> thing. So let's... We got to go over there and talk about it. <laughs> 
Okay, Cap, we're here. We're at the second half of the podcast. It's not a clone, right? You're not going to give me like a fake Game of Thrones pitch and then I have to tell you whether or not it really happened. No, no, it's not. It's it's a 100% organic, all natural, real, super segment. Sounds great. You can pick up this segment at Whole Foods. <laughs> Except for don't do it. Jeff Bezos doesn't deserve any more money. It's true. All right. Tell us about this half of the podcast. The second segment of the podcast is called Two Truths and a Fic. And in this part of the show, I'm going to give Zeke two canon storylines as well as one that I've lifted from an obliging fanfic or other fan work. And Zeke has to try and figure out which one of them is the odd man out. Is there a score we've kept so far for how bad I am at this? Uh, I want to say you're like two and 12. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely failing the class hard. Like, I, I'm not good at this game. And the reason I'm not good at it is because I just want to give a shout out to every single person that's ever written a Spider-Man fan fiction ever, because I very rarely guess which one is the fan fiction correctly. I always hear these pitches and I always, or like plot summaries, and I always think they're canon. So I say this every episode, but I'm always super happy to be wrong about these. Like, go all of you. <laughs> but I am also ready to play uh, Sinister Shrimps, Two Truths and a Fic, Two Minute, Six Men and a Baby. <laughs> <laughs> just you have to give me the first plot. I'm just gonna keep talking. Well, today on the line, I have a sticker to honor incredulous Spider-Man. Okay, uh, from our, from the first half. Uh, it's a tiny little Spider-Man face, and it just says, "Really." <gasps> I love mark. that. Oh, I love it. So that's oh. what we're playing for today. All right, all right. First, so first you, plot, please. Here we go. When Kane tries to be an upstanding member of Spidey Clone Society by killing off some of the Wall Crawler's most dangerous foes. They decide to fight back. Under the Hobgoblin's leadership, Beetle, Electro, Vulture, Scorpia, Mysterio, and the Shocker band together to form the Sinister Six. Or is it seven? I do like this one. I don't remember a whole lot about Kane, but I do remember Hobgoblin. So enjoy his presence. Yeah, I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other about this one. Um, okay. So let's, yeah, let's mosey on over to number two. In a dark and different New York, masked vigilantes have long been branded terrorists. Citizens have given up freedom for security. And Spider-Man hasn't been seen for decades. When he finally reappears, old, weary, desperate, but dangerous as ever, the government employs the Sinner Six to take him down. <sighs> So he's, so he's old? He's old. Like, how old? Like, you can't tell me. I had a hard time telling, but I'm going to say at least 60. Okay. Between 60 and 80. Okay. Still hot. Not as hot as Peter B. I'm a coward. I'm not, I'm, I know. You, I know. Everybody can call me out for it. I'm a super big fan of this, canon or not. I am leaning towards this one being canon, but let's go ahead and move on to number three. Number three. Peter is having one of those horrible, awful, bad luck days where nothing seems to go right. Not a great time to have a run-in with the Sinister Six. Good thing he's got the one, the only, Captain Marvel around to lend a hand. Okay. Ooh. I think the first one's canon, just for the number of characters that are in it. I know fanfic writers can, can go nuts with that, but I just feel like that feels like a big comic book event. <sighs> you know what? I think the second one is the fan fiction. I know I said that I was leaning towards it being canon because we had talked about like Old Man Logan and Old Man Hawkeye, but I think that this is a, f a fan work that, that somebody could reasonably think up and, and want to see in play if they had read those comics or just because the idea of like an older Spider-Man is very interesting. So having heard all three, I think the second one is the fan fiction. And I do think that, yeah, I think the third one is canon. So that's my that's my answer. My final answer is canon fanfic canon. Unfortunately, you will not be earning a sticker this week. Damn. Really? But that's okay, because really, the real prize is knowledge. And we have so much knowledge to share. I'm so ready. I'm drop this on me. Okay. I'm so oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay, this means one of those other two is the fanfiction. And that's real wild, whoever you are. But let's go ahead and we'll t we'll get right into it. Okay, so the first one with Kane, like I said in the first half, Kane is one of the clones that came out of the original clone saga, and he is a clone of Peter Parker. He's a little broken. Okay. Um, and has some level of disfigurement. So like in the ultimate one, he's got like the whole half of his face is all crazy melted off. And he's definitely 
he he definitely has no qualms about killing people and like taking life and he's in these comics uh which are part of spider-man unlimited he is definitely doing it because he thinks he's helping he's like i owe spider-man a great debt so i will help clean up the streets and get rid of these villains who want to do harm to him like he thinks he's doing a good thing but obviously like that little morality wheel in his head is a little bit off he sounds honestly listen i kane sounds like a really good dog (laughs) (laughs) you know okay yeah i like that kind of like blind like do-goodery and it's like well hold on there's some nuance here buddy and he's exactly exactly found a stick on the ground and now i'm gonna use it like like in ultimate it's not that he's trying to hurt mary jane he genuinely is like no you're like you're always in danger because of all this shit i'm just he's like trying to protect her but like also not thinking like this is not a good thing you're doing Mm -hmm. you know but uh yeah so Basically, like he's offing off all these villains. And so Hobgoblin gathers these other an additional six villains. And they're like, OK, well, we have to take out Kane. And it really runs into those issues that we were talking about where like the other villains aren't really happy about answering to somebody else. They're like, I'm smarter than you or I'm stronger than you. Why are you in charge? And there's that ego issue mm-hmm. that really is what keeps them from working together. And I think like unlike a lot of villain teams they don't really have like a layer or a base because this is a an ever changing team of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like there's like a membership card and like they all have meetings every month. It's like we have a Spider-Man problem right now. Let's all meet at, you know, Chili's and we're going to fig- figure this out. Right. And we're going to go kill Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Chili's. <laughs> so definitely like that infighting doesn't help. And then, of course, when Spider-Man finds out that. Kane is doing this he actually is like look I don't want to have to fight you over this I understand you're trying to help but like this we can't have this mm-hmm. um, and it's in the middle of all kinds of other clone saga drama or whatever but yeah I thought I thought that was just really interesting because it it's really not Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six like it's he's kind of in the middle because Kane is just like killing people left and right like without any issue and so Spider-Man is like having to be the brakes in the situation mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting switch around I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the last one which is the fanfic okay and so that one is a short one shot it's called a bad day and it's by one story writer one. <laughs> uh, uh, I love it. The story itself isn't very long. It's like under 5,000 words, but it is part of a series that they've written that had like 12 or 13 stories in it mm-hmm. that are all about Spider-Man and Captain Marvel being partners in crime fighting and little smooching on the side. So if that is a ship you want to read, this may be a series you want to check out. That's really cool. I always think it's cool when people create content for their rare pairs. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, basically, I mean, you have to create the content you want to see in the world. But like, absolutely. When people when people create content for rare pairs, which is me adding myself from my Metal Gear days. Man, there's so much love when there's a rare pair and you're like, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to lovingly craft this story because it's for me. Like, you know? <laughs> and if anybody else reads it, great. But yeah. So the middle one is the one that I really wanted to talk a little bit about. There are days when I'm doing research for this show where I end up reading, you know, dozens of comics and I just walk outside the room and I sigh deeply and Andrew's like, what's happening? And I'm like, comic books. Or uh, when I was reading these comics, which uh, this is a short series called Rain, R-E-I-G-N, mm-hmm. uh, I was chatting with a friend while I was reading these and I was like, I want to stare out the window into the abyss, but it's 5 p.m. and so the sun is still out. (laughs) This was a really interesting read for me. And it was funny for me because it it is a short series that I'd heard of and hadn't actually read. And I would like to take this opportunity to say that I think Rain gets a bad rap. Okay. It is unfortunately remembered for one detail in the story that I think was just a bad call on the writer's part and the editor's part and whoever approved it. But it's remembered as the comic where we find out that Mary Jane died because of Peter Parker's radioactive sperm. Um, and the- <laughs> yeah. No, hold on. You can't just move on from that point. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Well, we can, we can pause. I have to digest this for a second. Okay. All right. So is it instant? No. Well, the idea is that, like, Peter Parker has radioactive blood, but, like, issue three or four, there's this tumultuous scene where he's in a graveyard hugging her gravestone and sobbing about how it's not just his blood, but, like, every part of his body. And then it's very heavily implied that, like, 
because parts of his biology ended up in parts of her biology, she eventually got cancer and died. That's so big brain. Not good big brain either, but that's so big brain. Yeah, um, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that, like, this contributes very little to the story. The The fact that Mary Jane is dead and that he has something to do with it and that he, he's been carrying the guilt. Sure, that actually absolutely is relevant to the story. But that, unfortunately, the way they decided to do it is it just overshadows like any rational, reasonable amount of emotional weight that anyone would experience because you're just too busy being like, Wait, what? <laughs> sure, yeah, and I'm not trying to take away from the emotional like levity of the rest of the story. Oh no, story. they did it themselves. This is just the first time I have literally ever heard of this, just like the Spider-Man f- comic. So, sorry, I was just bodied. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it me, okay. So, took me out entirely. But now I would like to get into why you think it gets a bad rap. Yeah, so so we've covered that, but I want to talk a little bit about the story and why I just I had a lot of emotions and a lot of them were just staring out the window. Rain was written in like the mid 2000s. And what got me about this was that it takes place in like a grim, dark future. You know, Spider-Man is old Mm -hmm. somewhere. He's a senior citizen somewhere in there. And he obviously hasn't been Spider-Manning for a long time. And part of that reason is because all mass vigilantes are outlawed. They're branded as terrorists. And that's just one of the many overreaches that the government of the city, and it's kind of hard to tell how far this reaches, but that at least the New York government has put into place. Mm -hmm. And it's very clearly a very fascist government. There's police roaming through the streets and like literally in like the first couple of pages they're arresting a kid for spray painting a wall and like beating the crap out of him mm-hmm. um you see like the talking head newscasters who are like have these like plastered on fake smiles as they deliver clearly false news um there's a shot where like it's pouring cats and dogs and like there's lightning outside and you can see like the text box of the newscasters who are like it's another beautiful day in new york city and you're like so it's 2020 uh, yeah so the, like i was reading this and i was like oh that sinking feeling of like not when you're reading speculative fiction and you're like oh wow i can really imagine that happening or like oh wow we're really on that path but you're just like oh no shit we're there yeah you read <laughs> You read the Spider-Man uh, post-apocalyptic comic, you look out the window, you are the Spider-Man post-apocalyptic comic. <laughs> basically. And in this comic, like, Peter Parker has basically given up long mm. ago. And it's actually Jameson that shows up at his door with his old camera and an old mask that he had tucked away in his desk or something like that. And he's actually just trying to get Peter to, like, come and take pictures for him again because he's like, come on, we're going to start distributing a newspaper again to tell the truth and to help people. But, like, Peter sees the mask and then he also sees Jameson, like, getting beat up on the street for being angry. And he ends up pulling the mask. It's literally just the mask and, like, his tidy whities as he's, like, 80 years old, jumping out the window to, like, go try to fight these cops. Oh, incredible. And that kind of kickstarts this whole rebellion. And a lot of the story is told through the eyes of this young girl who is mostly, you know, whenever she sees cops beating up people or whenever she sees this stuff, she usually runs away. But, like, she's kind of inspired to, like, stand and fight and, like, start this rebellion. And uh, what we find out is that the mayor of the city has been under the control of Venom. And it's very... The party for face-eating leopards, Uh where he's basically promised the city to Venom and all of Venom's little baby Venoms as tribute. Because like, oh, we just let him eat, you know, the bad people, and then it's fine for the rest of us. But Mm -hmm. obviously that's not what's going to happen. And when Spider-Man starts throwing a wrench in the works, they bring the Sinister Six, or now rebranded the Sinner Six, out of retirement. And it's kind of like a Suicide Squad situation where they've got like microchips in their brain. They're like, all right, if you kill Spider-Man, you can go free. And so then we get to see like just ancient Spider-Man fighting these guys. And it's it's really something I... It's a comic that I really want to recommend to people. I feel like especially these days, it's something that would hit really close to home. It's It's kind of hard to tell because I'm like, I feel like if this was written today, people would be like... This is a little bit on the nose, don't you think? Yeah. But I still think it's really worth a read. I think it, at the very least, kind of 
feels like a positive call to action, even when things seem really dark. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about it. If you could just get over that one page that is the page that is always made into memes, just pretend she died of something else. Yeah, just tape, like take some painter's tape or like washi tape and just paint o- or tape over it and then draw your own. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to Rain. And if you have the opportunity, I would read it and it may make you feel real bad before it makes you feel a little bit better. But I feel like it's that's something powerful that comics can do and i like to recommend ones that make me feel feelings yeah i think that there is something very powerful about experiencing media that was written like before the 2010s even and or even in the early 2010s that has such a on the nose prediction Mm -hmm. for the future particularly of america because Mm -hmm. when you when you read it, it's like these authors are like, boy, wouldn't that suck if like X, Y, and Z happened and X, Y, and Z has happened like time and time again to us now in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be like, if 2020 gets any worse, we'll have to, oh no, the killer hornets or whatever, murder wasps, which by the way, if you're worried about those, those have been in America forever and you've never seen one. So stop it. Ask me about my bug knowledge. <laughs> but I think that it's important to like take in media like that and see that people were already thinking about it and already processing like what would we do in situations like this and the answer is always the same which is that there is always a call to action and there is always hope as long as people continue to stand up for what's right because these are never stories where like a single person saves the day anytime there's a story like this it is always a collaborative effort from multiple people multiple characters whoever like any story like this even if you want to get like real far-fetched like mad max or whatever like they're always collaborative corroborative things and so i think it's important to take in media like that to to read it and engage with it critically again which is trying to get over this this one crapo page of the rest of this what sounds like a really engaging and interesting comic to gain perspective i think that's something that's really important i try to have like a serious take about things every episode and sometimes (laughs) it gets a little redundant because i'm like and then spider-man was awesome but i think that comics provide a very unique perspective on the world we live in even so recently as like 20 years ago, which is wild for me to say with my human mouth. (laughs) But yeah, that's, I just think that's really cool. And I'm really glad that you brought it for us today so that we could hear about it. And that's definitely going to be one. Like every time we end an episode, I go and like Google whatever the like coolest thing is that I heard in the episode. And it's probably going to be that when we're done. Good, good. Thank you so much uh, for bringing us these stories. So now we'll get to the cool part. Do you have a cool piece of Spider-Man trivia or clone trivia for us this week? I don't. Not this week. This week, we are introducing a brand new segment Mm -hmm. in which Zeke has the opportunity to earn not one but five stickers Uh by playing a game I've created called Spider-Man Villain or Yu-Gi-Oh card. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have gone and looked at lists of lesser known Spider-Man characters and also some genuine Yu-Gi-Oh cards mm-hmm. that you could go and play with today. Uh, and I just want to see if you can guess which is which. Okay. Now I can count the Spider-Man villains I know on one hand, but I did get down with some Yu-Gi-Oh back when it was a four kids anime because I was the target demographic. So... Hopefully I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little better at this game, but I know I won't be. <laughs> All right, so, are you ready? I'm so ready. All right, our first one is Crass Clown. Crass Clown. That's a Yu-Gi-Oh card for sure. That is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yes. Okay. Uh in Japan, it just went by the name Murder Circus. <laughs> <laughs> That's way better. Why would anybody change it? <laughs> All right, here's the second one. Okay. Sticks as in S T Y X. And Stone. Mm, that's a Spider-Man villain. Yes, it is a pair of mercenaries. Uh-huh. Um, this one is wild. Basically, these are a, a pair of villains from the 80s. Uh-huh. The first one is a scientist, Gerald Stone. And then this homeless man that he just started experimenting on. What? And apparently his experiments basically turned the homeless guy into a living cancer. And he went crazy and villainous. And he was like, oh, that's... That's my fault, isn't it? I feel responsible. And like, instead of trying to help him, 
you know, get better. He was like, I will help him by putting rockets on my back and also being a villain with him. <laughs> because that's how you got to do it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Just matching boots and pants. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, like, he's a scientist and the other guy is just a member of the band Sticks. <laughs> that would <laughs> be great. Yeah. But no, no. Uh, okay. So far, so good. Um, okay. We're, that's all right. two stickers. All right. The third one is Big Wheel. Big Wheel. Big Wheel's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. I did not find it as a Yu-Gi-Oh card, but it is a Spider-Man villain. What? Who the um, hell is big? Is it just like a tire? Just a real big ass tire? I mean, essentially, yeah, it's it's like it looks kind of like one of those like Catherine wheels. But the guy like sits inside of it and he just sticks guns out of it. And like he also has like retractable arms. They look almost like those, you know, those dinosaur heads that like like you can like have a trigger on the bottom and you're just like eh, yeah. grab that with my tyrannosaurus rex and they're like bah, 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 bah. yeah yeah <laughs> he showed up in 1978 and his appearance was just so underwhelming it was 20 years before we saw him again incredible now i'm gonna i'm gonna do, do want to pause this game real fast because when you said big wheel i thought about the trike thing from like the yeah 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 from, like the 70s or whatever yeah and i was like surely it's a spider-man villain but then i just thought about a Yu-Gi-Oh card that was just a giant like wagon wheels with like eyeballs on it. And I was like, oh, that's clearly the other. It's got to be that thing. Okay. Well, all right. So I'm two for three. Not bad. Not bad. All right. We got two more. Okay. Leo gun. Leo gun. Oh, this one's tough because I am thinking about Leopardon. My my good, good friend. <laughs> Did Leopardon have a Leo gun? Yeah, it was the Leo gun there. We don't know. We only have his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Leo gun. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns and say this one's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the text on this card is just like it's a monster with a mane like a lion, and it it's just a picture of a lion. Is it like a? <laughs> but is it like a furry lion? Like he's got big titties or something, it's, and then he no, has a it's gun. Like, it's just the face. Like it's just the face of a lion. <laughs> is it like photorealistic or? No, it's just like a cartoon lion. I think it's like. <laughs> got like a black mane but like it's just a lion they're like it's a monster with the mane of a lion and i was like because it's a lion it's a lion like <laughs> <laughs> okay all right i'm doing good hit me with the last one all right here's the last one it's the finisher the finisher that's a spider-man villain yes yes it's a spider-man villain. hell yeah i don't even know i can't you said the finisher and I, my brain was like did does she really just give the guy that's on all the Walmart shirts? That's the Punisher, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um, the finisher wishes. So uh, I guess originally, like I said, Mary and Richard Parker, for characters who like were dead before we even meet Spider-Man, they've had their backstory like retconned and rewritten a number of times. But I guess originally they were like, oh, they got killed by Red Skull because of reasons. But in 68, they were like, oh, it wasn't Red Skull. It was this assassin named the Finisher who, <laughs> who killed them. And literally the first time he meets Spider-Man, he dies. So oh, well, he's finished. Does Spider-Man kill him? I don't know. No. Uh, okay. I, but like, I, <laughs> what you made it sound like is he's like, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man's like swinging in. And then Spider-Man stands there and he's like, you're finished, Finisher. And then the Finisher just collapses. <laughs> and that's it. Like, he just has since a heart attack. Yeah. Like, since it's 60, I'm going to assume that like a building falls on him or he crashes his car or something. Sure. But. Okay. So I only got one wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. You that's great a, at this game. That's it. You know why? Because I fucks with Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> It's been a long time, but I do have very, very fond memories of Joey Wheeler wearing the puppy suit in the <laughs> anime. And that's that's where I would like to end this podcast episode. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you your four rainbow bears. Are they Care Bears? Are you giving me Care Bear stickers? No, they're just little rainbow bears. They do oh. have little hearts, though. Okay, so they're Care Bears. It's okay. You can tell me the truth. They're non-denominational rainbow bears. Okay. The cat's like, don't take care bears. We can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing us this incredible game that is dredging up some wild, wild memories for me. Mostly about how I said that, that uh, a character could have a cool design with a red and black motif. And now I'm thinking about Duke Devlin. So it's time for us to sign off. So my name is Zeke. And I'm Zeke. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. 
what's up, Spider Pals? It's Zeke. Or is it? Anyway, if you enjoyed the stories from this week's episode, you should check out the issues they're from. And they are Ultimate Spider-Man 98 through 105, Spider-Man and the X-Men number 6, Spider-Man Unlimited from 1993 number 9, Rain 1 through 4, that's R-E-I-G-N. And our featured fanfic this week was A Bad Day by One Story Writer 1. And those are two numeral ones when you search for them on AO3. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.